Hey there, everybody. You know I hate to do kind of commercial reads and things along those lines with the show, but I wanted to share an opportunity that Coach John and I have for you at thecuterroad.com as 2021 draws to a close and we head into 2022. And that is an updated version of the Build Your Keto Road PDF program, where you get to work on setting individualized macros, nutritional goals for yourself, an activity plan, mindset, and just general goal setting for yourself. And you can find some different ways to track it, build some accountability, all of those things within that program. We are also launching on January 1st, though, something to support you if you're doing that program. And that is the Keto Road Crew Private Accountability Coaching Group. In this group, we will be sharing weekly recipes, having discussions about nutrition, macro, macros, activity, goal-setting, mindset, all of those things that come into play when you are on a health and a fitness journey. We'll also be doing Q&As, live chats with the group, and also having some fun monthly challenges. If you're interested in being a part of that group, you have to get yourself the Build Your Keto Road PDF at theketoroad.com, and then you can sign up. And right now, we're offering a deal where if you pay for one month of the Keto Road crew, you actually get January and February together. So you're getting one month free. Go over there right now to check it out, theketoroad.com. Let me know if you have any specific questions I can help you with. Because we're just really excited about this opportunity to not only help people reach their health goals, but to build some accountability and work on that idea of community support. So check it out. Let me know if I can answer some questions. And now I'll let you get on with the show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet. With you, once again, I say that all the time. i got to figure out something new to say at the beginning. I'll, I'll get that figured out eventually. But in the meantime... It's time to talk to another great guy. This is someone who I uh, have known for a long, 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 long time. Uh, we have been, we connected on Facebook many moons ago, and I'm just excited now that we're getting to talk here live and dive into his story and bring that to you and yada, 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 all that good stuff. So with us today, uh, we have my friend Charles Myrek. Charles, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad we're talking, man. Let's let's not yes. keep the people from the the juicy stuff, man. Tell them absolutely what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum. Well, um, <laughs> a life of being a fat guy, um, and I'll expand on that. I mean, you know, I know what it's like. Um, I'm still a big guy. I'm I'm around four oh eight currently, and. You know, but I've I've lived my life uh, at 650 pounds before, and so you know I, I'm 43 years old. I know what it's like, um, just living this life and um, all the inconveniences and all the the pains, all the setbacks, all the illness that comes with it. Um, it's uh, it's a life that I've worked hard at getting away from, and I'm on that path now. Um, and so, you know, I've surrounded myself by, I think, a pretty strong community of, uh, of fellow people that have lost or are in that process of losing, trying to find their way on their own journeys. And, and uh, not all of us do it the same way, but, uh, you know, that's, that's, I think that's what qualifies me. And 
650 pounds doesn't happen overnight, man. What, where did it all come from for you? Like, how did, were you, did you grow up as a big kid? Take us into that history for you. Sure. Um, well, I was a little on the heavier side. You know, I, I wore the Husky jeans as a kid. I mean, a lot of us are familiar with those. Um, and, um, you know, in, in high school, well, looking back, it's almost laughable, you know, to think I thought I was just huge back uh, in my sophomore years wearing, you know, 38s and 40-inch uh, waist pants. Looking back now, I'm like, those are skinny jeans uh, to me now. But, but, uh, but you know, I, I, was, I was never really, really large. Um, and I'll tell you when it all really took a turn for me. Um, later in high school, around my senior year, uh, I started working fast food. And I was around that every day, you know, for four or five, six hours. Um, so that introduced me to fast food, really, because growing up, we didn't have it often. We didn't, uh, we didn't really go through drive-throughs or eat out much. Um, but the real tipping point is out of college, I uh, got my first uh, job, you know, making decent money and that job was very sedentary and I was living on my own in a big city and all of a sudden you know I had more money uh, than I've ever seen before um, and no one to tell me yes or no and so basically and I and I and I didn't I didn't really have much uh, need to move around a lot I had a desk job I was an IT director and, um, you know, I just, I, food, you know, I just ate my way there. Uh, but it, it didn't happen overnight for sure. Um, my, uh, I, I want to say I tipped the 650 around my heaviest, um, at about age, uh, 28 or so. And when you think about that and you, cause uh, there's the circumstances, you know, sedentary job, access to food, money to buy the food. What do you think? It, but everyone has that, you know, when they leave college, you know, like that's an experience that most people go through. What do you think for you took it to that extreme? Like, where do you, where do you, when you, when you sit down and think about it, cause I know it's something you've thought about probably a lot, you know, as I did in my life, like when you think about like what, got you to that point like where what's I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this question but in terms of your relationship with food and and why do you think for you you know when you, you saw 400 you saw 450 you saw 500 that wasn't the tipping point for you right um you know i really i don't know if it was a, a sort of depression that i went through um but basically my days um consisted of work, um, coming home and I didn't, um, for the most part of my life, uh, adult life, you know, I didn't live with uh, other family members or, or have a significant other. And I didn't date for sure, you know, and didn't even have pets at that time. And, and I would come home and I think it was just, um, it was my release, you know, food, uh, the, uh, 
the feelings at eating and everything, the, the money and the job enabled me to get to that, to do that. But I think that's really what it was. I kind of found my, my comfort in it. And my, my typical days were such a routine. I mean, people knew my orders. It wasn't all fast food either, but people knew my orders uh, without me saying. And Looking back uh, now, just the amount of food that I eat on a daily basis, you know, it just it was staggering. But to get me to that point, obviously that, that wasn't sustained for a long time. I wasn't at that point for a long time, but um, I got there really quickly. Um, I'm, I'm going to say that I probably jumped from 420, 400, 425, which is kind of where I hovered in my early 20s. Um, to the six six to six fifty mark uh, within a year or two, and it, it was just fast. Um, yeah. And what was your what was life like? Like you know, we're talking a little bit about you know kind of sedentary life, work, come home. What was it like being that size? Like I, I think a lot of times people equate when they hear six hundred pounds to you know, television shows now where they see, you know, my 600 pound life and those sorts of things. But in your words, man, what was it really like being 650 pounds? Like, how do you just, what was your, what were your days like? What were the things that were most challenging? Like, take us into that a little bit. Okay. Um, well, you know, th that's one of the things I've, I've commented on a lot over the years, um, being that size, there's a lot that I could relate to, to what we see on those shows. Um, the mobility really started affecting me and being affected in my mid thirties to late thirties. Um, in my twenties, even in my heaviest, um, my, you know, my joints were still good. <laughs> um, the knees didn't hurt that much. Um, if anything hurt, my back would hurt. Um, but mostly just getting winded and lethargic. You know, that was that was the biggest um, side effects from it, other than, you know, uh, I, obviously I couldn't fit into some vehicles. I couldn't fit into booths at restaurants. Um, at that point, uh, you know, there's no way I would, I would have considered flying anymore. Um, <clears throat> so... But I wasn't, I was not bedridden. That was, uh, that, that's something I, I can't relate to those shows um, because I wasn't there. Although, you know, had I continued down that path, especially in my 40s, I could have definitely seen that being a possibility because in my 30s, my, my knees went, my hips went. I mean, you know, I'm, uh, Joint-wise, I'm in pretty rough shape still, but obviously with the weight that I've lost so far, you know, that's improved. But I wasn't bedridden. I got up every day. I showered. I went to work. My job, my actually, for most of the, those those years, my, my job was upstairs and we had no elevator. So, you know, I did steps. Um, I just, I didn't relate to a lot of what people go through, but I, I see how they got there. I do. Uh, because it's when you're that size, um, it re really anywhere over the 500 mark in, in my book, it, it's it's you're not far off from being there. It's it's uh, one injury putting you down and losing um, 
losing muscle mass. You know, it's it's um, it, it doesn't take you it doesn't take very much to put you in that position. I'm thankful I never really got to that position, but um, the worst things that I ever really had to deal with um, with my weight over the years were infections. And I know a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, cellulitis infections, MRSA, um, all these staph infections that uh, often, most often times I would not have to be hospitalized for a couple of weeks of oral antibiotics, you know, keep me going, get me better. But I have, I've spent uh, probably a collective three weeks in my adult years in the hospital due to infections and dealing with uh, chronic wounds and stuff like that. So the, the, that stuff was there, and um, I still still deal with a wound, you know, one of the, the venous uh, ulcers from that. And that, that was brought upon by my weight and the, the edema, lymphedema in my legs and stuff, uh, which, again, I never got to the point where, like you see documented on TV, I was never that like that big, but with my legs and such. But still, I had a lot of the same side effects of the, of the weight and fluid retention. And, um, so dealing with the infections, um, was a, was one of the hardest parts of being so overweight because when, once you went down and it hurt to move, you know, especially if you're living on your own, you know, there, there's not, and you're prideful. Let's just say that you prideful. You don't want to ask for help. Um, it can be a scary and in just very dark moment to go through things like that. And during all all of that time, like, where was your head at in terms of making change? Like, was it something that you always kind of had there? Is like someday I'll do something, or had you made previous yeah. made efforts? You know, take us into kind of like how that progressed for you, like in terms of. Um, just thinking about those thoughts. Sure. Um, yeah, the um, every time I would experience um, an infection or some kind of injury, where there maybe maybe I've thrown my back out or strained a uh, some muscle in my leg or something. Yeah, anytime I've I've been down, the your immediate thought is okay. The reason you're down is because you are six hundred pounds. Um. Because you, you can't, at your best, you can't do a whole lot about it. But so you, you think, okay, well, as soon as I'm able, I'm getting up, I'm getting, I'm, so I'm going to start walking more, I'm going to start eating better, I'm going to start doing all these things that I know to do that would help reverse some of this damage that I've brought on myself. And um, sometimes those efforts, uh, would last for a little while. Most, most they would fizzle out as soon as I felt better. And I was going to ask, cause yeah. like we, you, I'm trying to think about actually how long we've known each other now. It's, it's gotta be in yeah. close to that 10 year range. If not, you know, somewhere about nine or 10 years. Yeah. And it was through these common experiences, you know, that we share that we connected. So sure. as you were, you know, to just in terms of a little bit of the history of the different things, like what are what are the different you know ways of attack that you had tried throughout the throughout the years? 
Um, when um, I'm going to say it like in, okay, in 2003 through 2004, I was around the 525 mark, 530 mark, and uh, a friend of mine um, that I went through high school with and since uh, still my closest friend, he, uh, he had lost about 150 pounds and he did it through Weight Watchers. And I was uh, skeptical because it's, it was so commercialized. Um, but you know, still the proof was there, you know, he, he lost weight and, and I, and I knew his diet, you know, he, he he would not eat vegetables. He still has trouble with vegetables. I mean, but, you know, from the surface, his diet was so much worse than mine, just seeing what he ate. But to see that he could lose weight, just tracking his food, essentially, um, gave me hope. And so I signed up with my local Weight Watchers. And um, I was a member of Weight Watchers for about a year, and I lost um, right, about 120 pounds. So I got down to around 415, 410 mark. Not around the, close to the same size I am now. Um, and I maintained that for a few months. I just kind of, that's about where I stalled out. Um, this was back in the winning points days. Um, a lot of people will remember those. Um, but, you know, it was it was a good program. and I mean, it wasn't hard to follow. Um like anything else, it just took some discipline and um, and uh, drive to do it. And I don't know when that fell off, but I maintained for a while. But then things started creeping their way back in. And um, and then one of the things that hurt me, um, the meeting that I went to at the time, got moved to a different city. Not that it was that far away, but with my work schedule, it made it hard to get there. And this was back before things really went online and, and and then even when they did go online I tried the online thing but I didn't get what I needed for from it that I got at the meetings like the support group at the meetings was I think one of the big helps for me um, it was kind of this rally you know every week and uh, so did the Weight Watchers thing um, I've had a personal trainer she's a wonderful friend um, she would actually drive down um, a couple of hours each week. Um, this was around 2009. She she got me from my my heaviest. When she started working with me, I was near my heaviest, around 650. Um, and working with her, um, after she would drive down a couple of weeks, a couple hours each way, um, she would work uh, work with me on doing some exercises that I could do in my office, do at home, like just some res resistance, uh, uh, isometric type stuff um, that I didn't, put, didn't put a lot of strain on me, but, you know, helped helped me. And she worked with me on um, uh, nutrition and uh, tracking those things. And uh, with her help, I got to a more manageable place in life, um, but, you know, again, it just, she was a couple of hours away, and and, uh, and that was hard. So that really eventually fell away, um, not due to anything she did. It was it was me, you know. I, um, but um, so that, that worked really well for a while. 
Um, and then really since then, um, it's been uh, a mix really of just tracking my food, um, tracking carbs. I never really did. I never really was uh, a follower of keto. I tried. Um, low carb, sure. You know, I lost around 85 pounds about four years ago. Um following a low carb diet and I was doing really well. I felt great. Uh, energy was outstanding and definitely saw, Hey, this works. Um, but as you know, you know, it is so easy to fall off that back off that wagon. And, um, and so I, I just tried a mix of that over the years and I kind of found, um, uh, a balance where you know I would I would fluctuate in my weight following those things and on and off the plan um, whether I was tracking food or not tracking food always worked the best for me um, no matter what I was doing um, and then I kind of found my my body's what seemed to be where my body wanted to be you know as far as its set weight and so it was like, no matter what I did, I eventually came back to 585 pounds. And it, it, it's such a weird thing to explain to people, but no matter what I did, it, it just seemed that was like my default, you know? And um, so that, that that's really kind of what I did. Um, and I will say that since about the year 2000, I've on and off over the years, I've tried to get uh, bariatric surgery um, and I've had friends be successful with it. I've had friends uh, be not so successful with it. Um, but the same thing always stood in my way uh, from the very first time. And that was insurance paying for it. And of course, you know, that's not, a, that's not something I could have ever paid for out of pocket. Um, but it wasn't until this past year that I had a secondary insurance that would pay for it. And so when one well-known um, uh, surgery clinic here in Kentucky um, denied me, you know, it kind of disappointed me. I'm like, okay, I know the insurance pays for it, but why? They said they didn't. So I gave up on that for a couple of months, but then, you know, I thought, heck, I'm, I'm going to try this one more time with somebody else. And so I did that in um, January. I filled out the paperwork, um, the application for Georgetown Bariatric um, in Georgetown, Kentucky. It's Dr. Eric Smith. Um, a lot of people will notice him um, on the thousand pound sisters show. Um, I didn't know that at the time cause I don't watch that show. And so, so I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful that they never, they never talked about it. And yeah, but they, they were, they reached out a, a couple of weeks after my application. They said, good news. You know, your insurance will cover this. Um, let's get, get you scheduled for intake. And so they got the ball rolling in uh, February and on June 29th of this year, um, I was able to get the, uh, the sleeve surgery, which, so, um, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so what does that, 
just for for any because I've had people on the show before that have had sleeve and you know I do still want to there, there's still some of the kind of mind side of things I want to talk about your whole overall journey but in terms of like the details when you say you know get you into the the whole intake side of things what was it like you know what is the process of getting ready for that experience Okay, um, and it would be the same with them whether you went through uh, if you were pursuing sleeve, uh, bypass, uh, band, uh, balloon, uh, you know, any of this bariatric procedures out there would be the same process. So they brought me in for intake day. I was part of a group of um, maybe fifteen other people, um, and of course this is during a pandemic, so and, and in a medical clinic, so everybody is. Uh, you know, we were properly socially distanced, uh, masked up, sanitized, uh, the whole nine yards. Um, and, and those procedures obviously um, stayed, those protocols rather stayed in place, and they still do um, with a particular clinic. But um, after the intake day, you know, we, we spent a, a few hours going over the different procedures because some people actually come into that kind of undecided and that that blows my mind because i'm if for somebody that's been trying to get the surgery for 20 years <laughs> like i know what i want you know um but um so they go over all the procedures and um everything and, and kind of what to expect in the months ahead leading up to your surgery date um, what they expect of you which um it does you know involves weight loss um you have to weigh less at the end of the the period at the at the end of their weigh-ins um, prior to the insurance submission. Um, you have to weigh less than you started, um, and so that's easier said than done because it's not like okay, I'm weighing this week and then I'm weighing next week. It's like a four-month period, so you you have to maintain it. You have to maintain the loss and keep it going, um, and they're you know and they're just they're they're, they're wanting to make sure that that you understand and are committed to making these changes. Um, but along with the weight loss, there's, there's a counseling with a nutritionist, uh, dietitian, and then there's a, a psychiatric consultation to go along with that. Um, that was a wonderful experience. I had not been through that. Um, and I would actually be very much uh, okay if I need to talk to someone, actually consulting with my the bariatric psychiatrist again. Uh, great therapist um, that I spoke with. And um, so going through those things, you know, the, some, depending on your, your existing health, um, and what your particular insurance may require. Some require different tests than others. I didn't have to do some of the tests, um, but I did have to do like a cardiac clearance, um, do the EKG and all those things, uh, and uh, and then a um, upper GI uh, X-ray and scope and all that. I did. Uh, they suspected that I had some. Um, reflux issues, which noticeably I've never really had reflux. We don't always have to notice that of it. So I had to undergo a procedure where they had to put me to sleep briefly to put a, a monitor in my esophagus that I had to wear um, 
that just falls away, you know, after a week. Um, but um, to measure my the the acidity level in my throat. Um, and uh, so I went through that, and that was actually my last the last thing I had to do before they could submit it to insurance. And once they submit it to insurance, you know, a couple of weeks later, they had an answer, and then they were able to schedule me for pre-op and uh, surgery. So it, it, it go ahead. Oh, it, it it was about a it was from February through June. Um, it took to do that, and they were they were pushing. They were kind of trying to rush it because you know with the COVID and everything, they they weren't sure if if their hospital is going to be allowed to do elective surgeries in you know the summer. So they were really having to push forward to get things like that done. Uh, they didn't cut any corners, but they just their staff was extra diligent in making sure that. Insurance was responsive. They were talking to them, letting them know what they needed from the patients, and and they were very communicative with uh, with the patients and so forth. And what was it like for you mentally going? Because I'm sure there's got to be some. Because this is something you had look you would you had looked into for so long, and you know had that barrier of the insurance. The insurance barrier is gone, and now you're. It's almost like you're on a runway. You know headed towards the plane lifting off. What was it like for you to go through that whole process with that feeling like it's it's finally coming? Well, to be honest, um, I like the runway uh, metaphor because it kind of felt like you're getting ready, you're going down that runway and you're just waiting for the wheels to fall off the plane because you, you've, um, you've, you've went through this so many times because I, I have went through a, the process uh, at least twice, maybe three times, to where you, I've went through some of the clearances, you know, and it get, gets to the point of insurance submission, and then that's where everything falls flat. Well, to go through months of this, and being in Georgetown was a couple of hours away from me, so it was a lot of time commitment, just traveling back and forth. It wasn't like it was a local clinic that I could just go to. Um, I, you know, it was a day off work, pretty much, to go up there and back every time. And um, to do that for, for months on end, and then you're in that final stretch where they're assuring you that everything's okay and you're going to get a surgery date, you just don't really trust it because you're waiting for the wheels to fall off that plane before it can get enough speed to take off. <laughs> so, yeah, so honestly, I really, I was waiting for something to some light to go off, some some reason for them to cancel it until I was laying or I was sitting on the cot and, and, get, and getting prepped for surgery. Like that, it, it took to that point to realize, hey, this is actually happening. I was so ready for yeah, it. Yeah, like, I gosh, believe yeah, it, man. Yeah, you, but you just, you, you didn't believe it was going to happen. Yeah. And so it did. It did, <laughs> Yes. And what, <laughs> so what comes next, man? Um, the experience, um, I've heard a lot of different uh, people express, you know, their, how they recovered, and um, my experience was wonderful. Um, my girlfriend was there with me the whole time. She, she took me to the hospital, stayed with me. Um, 
and you know, she was there if I needed her. Um, the staff at the hospital um, were just wonderful. Waking up from surgery, obviously, with just like any surgery, you're 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 groggy. Um, but I didn't wake up in pain. And, and they told us that, you know, they, they told us to expect to be in a great deal of pain for at least a couple of days and to be very tender for a couple of weeks to a month. Well, that wasn't really my experience. And I, I do have a high tolerance for pain. I'll say that. So not everybody's going to be have the same experience. But when I woke up, I just, I felt kind of stiff. Like my abdomen, obviously, you know, it's a laparoscopic surgery. So it's not like they're cutting you open like they did 20 years ago. Like That's what would have happened if I'd gotten the surgery back in those days. So, you know, I would have been open from sternum to belly button. And, uh, and that would have been a much different situation recovering from. But recovering from the bariatric surgery with the, the laparoscopic method, you know, it's really a lot of people get their gallbladder taken out. You know, it's it's not really not much different than that as far as the physical external part of it. You're you're tender. You've got some gas from the laparoscopic surgery itself um, in your body. They get you up walking within a couple of hours, which I'm like, <laughs> you know, I laughed at that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to be walking. Well, walking felt walking felt great. And for a guy that didn't like to walk because the weight hurt, you know, so much, you know, that was, that was something else, but they got me up walking and I walked every, I walked within a couple of hours of being to my room, but I think every four hours they had me up walking around, um, and walking the hallway in the bariatric wing, which is probably about a 30 foot, 30 foot hallway back and forth as many laps as we could tolerate. And I gradually, you know, build up a little more stamina every time I did it. Um, my surgery was like at six thirty in the morning, you know, I'm back in my room by nine something. Um, the surgery itself was only like, a, a 45 minutes or so. They, they don't last very long. Um, but by the time I'm woke, I've woken up and everything, you know, it's, it's around nine. Um, and so by, by noon, 11 to 12, I'm, I was up walking. Um, again, I really didn't experience pain. I didn't take pain medication. Um, they, they do give you some pain uh, blockers, injections, and such um, before they do the surgery. So that helps with that, I'm sure. But um, I really didn't have to have anything after. it. Just I kind of had a tight feeling, but it didn't hurt. Um, I just had to take it slow, getting up and down. Um, but I slept well. Um, uh, every every aspect of it actually went really well. Nice. And uh, the whole introduction to eating again was kind of was kind of odd though. <laughs> so but, uh, tell us about that. So what what is that like after the surgery? Um, well, immediately after the surgery, the the first thing you can have is some ice chips just you know wet your mouth and your throat and such later that day um and into the next morning they they would bring these um protein drink mixes a liquid cell 
Um, and they bring you different flavors. Like I had like five different flavors to choose from to see what I liked best. Uh, and you mix it with a cup of ice water and just sip on it. You're constantly sipping those first few days and weeks just to get your water in. Um, because, you know, your stomach goes from what seems like almost infinity in terms of <laughs> how, much, how much it can hold to four ounces. So just it's 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 mind-blowing the difference but um which for to the, give people uh, a give people out there a visual four ounces that's less than you know less than a yogurt you know less than the size of yes. like a yogurt mm-hmm. cup and that's full volume yeah. that's not saying that right. you were you were slugging back a full yogurt right, at the time, full but volume. just yeah. to give people a visual <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's not a lot, um, but um, it's a, it's still amazing that you can be have a satisfied feeling, um, having eaten so little. Um, but you know, those first few days, um, the first week is all clear liquids, um, broths, um, protein water, um, juices, clear juices with protein added, um decaf coffee different surgeons have different uh, recommendations um and they really didn't discourage caffeinated uh, regular coffee but it decaf caffeine caffeine rather um obviously is a diuretic so they didn't want anything to make you dehydrated so but they just they encourage you your first week you're on solid or, uh, or not solid i'm sorry you're on the a liquid clear liquids second week is a full liquids um so now i'm and can have the the cream soups um stuff like that um that was major then the third week was soft foods like yogurt for example banana um, uh, thicker soups maybe with some minor like chunks in it like potato soup or something like that um and um, and then by the fourth and fifth week, you're pretty much based on your how you feel and how you're handling things. You can pretty much start eating normally again. The only thing I had to wait like three months on was steak, um, but everything else by by week, by week four, I was eating chicken, um, very small portion of chicken, <laughs> and chewed to uh, obliteration. But yeah, it was. Um, it wasn't bad though. You you kind of had that, like if you look at it in terms of oh I can't eat four of solid food again for a month, then that's a little overwhelming. But if you take it a day at a time, a week at a time, now what you're looking at is okay, okay it's Wednesday. I am so over drinking broth. Hey, next week I can have tomato basil soup or something like that. You know, so you you kind of have these little goals to build yourself up to and. So that worked out well, and then, um, you know, I, I'm five months out now, so I can eat it. I can eat anything, and I and I've tried most everything that I could eat. Um, I don't really have an intolerance to anything. Um, the thing that they warn you about the most is bread, because bread expands. You know, it's it sits so heavy and it's so filling. Um, so. While I can eat it, it's not wise to eat it because you just feel so full so quick. There's no room for anything else. 
Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll pretty much have eliminated bread. Um, and um, so you find yourself just eating almost, not exactly, but almost a keto, low-carb diet because you're struggling to get protein and you just want to get protein in. So you have to find that. You have to, you have to get that in and be creative um, sometimes to get to the amount that they want you to, to eat. Um, they, they would like for me to eat 100 grams of protein a day. And that, is, that can be hard, especially if you can only eat so little. Um, and um, so I do struggle with getting my protein in. But, um, yeah, here I, here I am, you know, five months out, I can pretty much eat anything, just very small amounts of anything. So. What is that like mentally? Like having to adjust, have, especially because you're adjusting to a physical situation. It's not just you've yeah. decided to eat less. You have to eat less. It, it, exactly. It can be very frustrating. And that has probably been the psychological side of that has just been um, hard at times. And I, and I understand why so many people um, can kind of short circuit this whole program because, as you know, any, no matter what you do, people can gain weight back. Um, and the same is true with this. That It, it blows my mind how easily that, that would be done. But you can still eat garbage. Um, and, you know, if I'm getting my 1,200 calories a day in and it's coming through nothing but um, M&Ms or... <laughs> Or something like that. You know, I'm you know I'm going to be hurting myself. But um, the um, the psychological side of it can be rough at times. I remarked to my girlfriend the other day. I said, you know, you know what I would really like to have just a big cold cut sandwich. Something simple. Something that's not the most unhealthy thing in the world for you. You know, but just the volume of it. That 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 um, so that or a big big juicy hamburger, right? And now if I get a hamburger now, you know, I can get a hamburger no matter what size, but I'm going to get it without the bun, and that hamburger is probably going to take me two hours to eat, just to to eat the to eat a quarter pound patty or to a half pound patty, um, which so it, it, which the, it would not have before. Oh gosh, no! I mean, they'd be like, Where, "Where's, where's, where's my second one?" You know, right. um, that that would have been no problem at all. Um, I worried a little bit, honestly, by going into the holidays. Um, how's Thanksgiving going to look? Because um, you know, most of our foods are they're carb heavy, they're bread heavy, um, and and you would just want to traditionally eat a lot at Thanksgiving and Christmas and. Well, we we got there and we and I made it through. I made it through two Thanksgiving dinners over the course of a week, and um, and I had a little bit of everything that I wanted. But I just learned that you know, I, I've I've accepted that if I want the stuffing or the dressing with my turkey, okay, I can have it, but a spoon of it. Like a like a table tablespoon at best, 
and that's and it's going to take me a while to eat my whole plate. But it's my plate looks like something you would tear off for your toddler, uh, comparatively to somebody else's plate. You know, it's just a little little dab of this, a little dab of that. But you know, you, you adapt, and you at the end of the at the end of the meal, the end of the day, you can say, you know what, I enjoyed that, and I'm I'm not deprived. I just didn't. Um, eat like I used to, but I eating like I used to also put me where I was. So, you know, it gets frustrated, but I've learned that it's just good to say that I'm frustrated about it and that I miss this. And I think sometimes people think that they can't say those things. Um, and I have, I don't want to say I've snapped at people, but I have been a little, I've been vocal, um, when someone mentions food, they'll they'll say it innocently, like, um, it, it looks like you ate a, a pretty good amount, or how much can you eat now? I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. You know? <laughs> I'm like, I have to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. Um, but sometimes I do talk about it, and sometimes um, um, I'll, I'll just express, you know, that, you know, hey, I really want a hamburger, or I want pizza. Um you know, and, and I can find small variations of those things to usually satisfy me. Um, and the fact that I really haven't found anything that I can't eat does help. Um, I didn't, you know, obviously I didn't have the, the gastric bypass, which would limit um, my diet more as far as um, some sugar intake and stuff goes. So that... Those things don't bother me like they would if I had had uh, the bypass. Um, so I have to be careful with that because sweets do not bother me. And so I had to be very mindful of that. Um, but again, you know, I don't, I don't keep a lot of that in my life. You know, I try, it's, it's mostly meats and proteins and stuff, but I just, um, I found that it's healthy for me to express how I feel about it. And I feel like that's, that's a lot of what I would do with a therapist. Um, so the fact that I, I feel like that I can talk about it and I, and I have people in my life that I can express those things to that helps me because not, not everybody has a healthy support system in their life. And I think that expression is really important. Like, because, you know, very realistically, it's a big change that has happened on a physical level, you know, like the volume of your stomach changing, the way you process food, you know, what you can eat, you know, in terms of the amount you can eat. And that doesn't, they didn't also do anything laparoscopically to your head, you know, so there's the mind side of it is the challenge, you know, is that place where I think, you know, you see people that have surgery and fail or, or not, I don't think fails the right language, but, you know, struggle and then kind of go back to old habits because they have the physical tool, but they're not necessarily putting kind of like that mental side at the forefront, you know, in terms of realizing like that's important too, like to be able to process those feelings and be able to express them and be able to communicate all of that because it is a change, you know, you're, so you're, you're, like you said, it's, it's about five months for you, man. Like what, how has it, how has this five months gone in terms of weight loss? Because like, I'm sure people out there 
listening are like, okay, they haven't talked any of that yet. Like, wh how has it been so far? Sure. Well, um, <clears throat> even before I, before I started the process of getting the surgery, um, I had started losing weight. Um, so I, I kind of had a, a, a little bit of momentum going in my favor anyway. Um, and I, in November of 2020, uh, I started nothing drastic. I wasn't really tracking a lot. I tracked most things, but um, I found myself um, slowly losing pound here, pound there. Um, and when in November of last year, um, I was around the uh, 585, 590 point. Um, and at pre-op on surgery day, or the, well, a couple of days before surgery, I was 544, and that was June 20, uh, June 23rd, my surgery is on the 29th, and here on uh, December 10th, I am at 408. So, it's been, it's been a pretty fast uh, weight loss at times. Um, I have experienced a few stalls, a few plateaus, which they, they warn you extensively about. And I don't care how much they warn you about um, the plateaus. They are still extremely frustrating because you're, you're thinking, I am eating less than a small child. And, you know, <laughs> and, and, and the needle hasn't moved uh, in three weeks or... Or heaven forbid, like recently, you know, I've I've eaten um, a normal routine for me, and um, well, the body decides, okay, well, you're not eating enough fiber, so there's constipation and stuff that goes along with that, and that's a that's a big problem with bariatric uh, patients um, anyway, getting their fiber and trying to balance all of that, and so between that and some water retention to go along with that. You know, I gained like four pounds. I'm like, how in the world? I mean, it was so frustrating. But I know that once that dam breaks again, it's going to start melting off and I'll be in the 300s within a couple of weeks. Um, it's just, I've went from a 9X shirt and a 72 um, waist to, um, to 5X shirts and 58 waist currently. That's incredible, so. man. And yeah. And I think it's important you're talking about, like, I, I think one of the things that people who who may, who aren't familiar with the surgery or, or thinking about it might not be thinking about is, like, the like you said, you could eat all of your calories, you know, or fill up all your volume for the day with the sweets. But nutritionally, what would that end up doing to your body? You know, you'd end up worse in the long run because you're not prioritizing those nutrients that you need, you know, the different things that your body needs to function. Like, so it's, it's almost now like more important than if you were approaching weight loss without this tool in place to pay attention to, to some of those things so that you're making sure, you know, you, you're getting the things that you need as you're losing the weight. And I mean, let's also, you know, five months and you're down almost 140 pounds at five months that's almost a pound a day. So, you know, it's, it's right. that perspective thing is powerful. It absolutely is. And, um, the, the, it is so when you're limited, um, to what you can eat to, to the volume of what you can eat rather mm -hmm. to, um, 
know that you need to get so much uh, so much protein in just to to keep our bodies going because you know, we we run on that uh, and to and to get our healthy fats in. But also we need our we need our carbs. Mm-hmm. You know we need uh, healthy carbs um, to get all of that in in such a small small window. <laughs> right, it's like a puzzle. Like you're playing. It's, it's, it's like a you're, big you're, struggle. Yeah, it's like solving it, a puzzle. It, it, mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. And then to try to do all that and stay within a certain calorie goal because at the end of the day, it's still it's still a lot of a lot of the success and failures, calories in, calories out. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to eat some things and get your fats and your proteins in and max out on your calories by breakfast. So you don't want to do that, obviously. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely, it's, it requires more thought and planning to what I'm going to eat throughout the day than anything I've ever done before. Um, and and I'm not a meal prepper. Uh, you know, I've had that conversation before, and I've tried some things. I've tried over the years that worked, some things that didn't. But um, you know, if I really don't have it in my head what I'm going to do for the day, then I'll come up. It'll be three o'clock, and I won't have eaten since breakfast. And with the surgery, because you can only eat so little at a time, basically they want you eating five six meals a day at least. Basically, you're always eating something snack, uh, small, or um, to get to get your protein and your um, calories and stuff in for the day. But along with the surgery, what some people don't realize um, with the sleeve surgery, the portion of the stomach that gets removed is also the portion a portion of the stomach that uh, controls the hunger hormones. And so there, eventually the body finds a way, you know, it's kind of like Jurassic Park, life finds a way. <laughs> the body finds a way to tell you you're hungry, but for around the first year, you don't know what hunger is anymore. So it's easy to get caught up in work or activity, um, whatever you're doing, um, and go all day and not eat. And I, you know, it's easy, I do it often at work and... I hate to admit that, but it's it's just it's my reality. Um, but even at Disney, uh, I went to Disney World uh, for a week back in October, and if I hadn't had uh, friends and my girlfriend with me, I would have went all day without eating. And out in that Florida heat, that's not good. And I would have probably found myself very sick in an ER somewhere from dehydration. Um, because getting my fluids in, because you have to, you're supposed to be constantly sipping um, or eating something. But um, you know, you, you just when you when you don't feel it, um, and you're you don't have this uh, little voice inside your stomach essentially telling you, "Hey, I need something," you know. So you you just have to be very mindful of it. And if your mind's full of work or other things going on, sometimes it's easy now for me to let that get pushed to the back burner when it really needs to be at the forefront. I think that makes a lot of sense, man. So Charles, let's talk about the road ahead because what what I'm curious about, you know, hearing you talk a little bit about is having gone through some of, you know, your history, you know, with, with weight loss and weight gain, 
you know, as you look forward to the to the future now, what what is it that's you know what's your perspective on this is this is the moment that I've made the change you know this is the la- this is the point that will be my lasting success like do you feel do you feel that yet like or is it still more I'm waiting to see what happens and how this goes like where where's your head at in terms of saying okay you know I found the tool that is going to allow me to enact lasting change I feel. I feel like I, I may I've already realized that um, because this um, I don't know where I'll end up. I don't know what my end weight will end up being. I've said for the longest time if I if I got to three hundred I would be happy. Three hundred after living a life at six hundred is phenomenally different. Um, but realistically, you know, I think I'll end up somewhere around the two thirty. 250 mark um, and start my maintenance process at that point. Um, but I already feel such a difference in just how um, how I think about my future and how I think about life and how I never want to get back to where I was. I know how easy it would be to get back to where I was. And th- feeling the way I do and thinking and planning the things I have uh, for my life, there's no place in there for the condition I was in before. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so you know, thinking about the past year, man, like knowing where you were November of 2020 to where you are today, which is, we'll, we'll cheat, it's December of, of 2021, but you know, it's a little, just sure. a little over a year. Um, what are the biggest changes besides, you know, we've gone into like wh- how your eating has had to change. Like what are, what are the actual biggest changes in your life right now that stand out to you? Um, one of my biggest changes um, in throughout this whole process that's gradually gotten better and it's kind of um, got thrown into overdrive since uh, surgery and recover from surgery is um, my, my mobility just being able to get around. Um, I'm going to say around three years ago, my area, which is rural uh, southeastern Kentucky, just started getting um, services like grocery pickup, for example, at the at Kroger, Walmart, uh, stores like that. And once those stores uh, finally started getting services like that, I never went in them again. Um, yeah, if I couldn't place my order online and pick it up without getting out of my car, I didn't do it. Um, so now the difference is, even though I don't like the big stores like that, and, and it's that's it's mostly because I'm an introvert. It's, it has nothing to do with my weight anymore. <laughs> so I want to see people. Yeah, I'm going to see people I know, and I don't want to deal. Um, but so, the physically, I don't have the mental barrier there anymore that you know how you're going to feel walking around that store. You know your knees are going to be killing you. You know your back's going to be tight and sore. Um, you know you're going to be sweating profusely standing in line waiting to check out. Um, and, you know, I know, I know the things I'm talking about are things that you've experienced and 
that you've talked extensively about over the years, what it was like and um, with yourself. And so those things kept me out of stores, especially when I had an alternative where I didn't have to go into, into, uh, into those things. And, um, and going on trips, going uh, whether it was a couple of hours away or driving you know, 10 hours to Orlando um, for a week at Disney World. I mean, goodness, I would have never, a year ago, I would not have imagined that. Um, now, I will say at Disney World, I did have a scooter because my knees, after carrying 600 pounds for several years, my knees are shot. So I know after an hour of walking what my knees feel like. So I did get a scooter at Disney. So, um, and you tipped me off to those years ago. So, <laughs> yeah, so there is a lifesaver. But while I didn't like having to have it, you know, it, it enabled me to enjoy the, my experience there. And, um, and another thing, um, that I never thought that I would be able to do, um, I hadn't been on a ride in an amusement park since, um, Six Flags, uh, here in Kentucky Kingdom, Six Flags, um, around 1999, 2000, uh, way before I was even my biggest, I couldn't fit on one of the roller coasters and stood in line for a couple of hours to get on it. And once um, I wouldn't fit, that was embarrassing. It was just shattering to me. And looking back, you know, you think, okay, well, shouldn't that have been enough for you to make uh, a life change then? But it wasn't. Um, so I've had this, not a fear, it's just a, or maybe it is a fear, but when I would go to amusement parks over the years with uh, church groups or whatever, you know, I would just, I would completely avoid rides. Um, I would literally just go and be, be the fat friend that sat on the bench and held purses and watched umbrellas and stuff while everybody else had fun. And um, that was my life. And, um, but with Disney, even rides that I really had no, I mean, I know that there's a lot of uh, uh, larger, friendly, fat-friendly rides at Disney, and I'm glad to see that. Um, but there were some rides I was still very unsure that I could that I could do. And I went into the trip telling my friends and my girlfriend that I have no intentions of riding anything. Because I just didn't, I did not want to have that embarrassing moment again because I'm probably at a different place mentally now than I was, you know, 20 years ago. So I'm like, I'm not going to be a happy camper if I get on or go through all this, this long line to ride this and I get turned away for whatever reason. Um, but everything that I wanted to ride, I rode and had no problems on anything. And, um, and I've since, you know, I've, I've sit, sit in booths at restaurants. Uh, I can sit in the, the seats at the, at the cinema. Now I'll watch a movie with the armrest down. I'm, uh, sit, I can, I'm sitting currently in one of my office chairs, one of my reception chairs in my office with, um, with arms because it doesn't bother me anymore. Mm-hmm. I can cross my legs. Yeah, you I, know, saw you, I, saw like you, I saw you post that the other day. And I knew yeah, that. I knew that. that I, was, I, I know what that feels like. That's amazing, man. But in the first day I did it, I didn't do I did it totally mindlessly. I was mm-hmm. putting on my socks 
And I told my girlfriend, I said, would you look at this? I'm like, what is this? Because <laughs> I, I can't remember doing, doing that since really high school. And, you know, and cause I'm, uh, it's, I just don't think about it. But, but then I did it. And I'm like, gosh, you know, not every day do I see the progress because, you know, we still see ourselves at our biggest. And, you know, that's with that mentality, that guy is still in my head. And so he tells me I can't do a lot of things. But when I do something like that, I'm like, I am seeing some progress. Well, it's, it's the removal so, of, an, it's, it's, of a physical barrier. Yes. Like there's a mental side to it, you know, like especially like that when you talk about, you know, trying to get on the roller coaster and being told you couldn't and, you know, the, the impact of that on the on our emotions and our mind but when you're as as big as you were as big as i was there's a physical barrier to a lot of these things so it's not even just i don't want to do something it's well that's just not you can't the physics will not work yeah. right um and so to not have those barriers uh, or not have as many I'm, I'm sure there's still some there um you know it, it's 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 freeing um Another thing that's really stood out to me, in May of 2020, I bought a truck. Um, I love my truck. It's, you know, it's a Chevy Silverado. It's a crew cab pickup truck. Um, but I can, I bought the particular truck I did because the console raises up in the, in the front seat, so I have a bench seat. And, you know, I had room to expand. <laughs> so, you know... But when it came time for our vacation, um, we decided that the truck wouldn't really be that comfortable to carry all of us and our, our uh, friends that rode with us. So we um, looked at um, taking a Subaru Outback. And Mike, I haven't fit uh, to comfortably drive a car since around 2006. And I wasn't sure, you know, because I, I, I wanted, I wanted if, I were, if I was going, I wanted to do the bulk of the driving um, because I, I like to drive and it's, it's more comfortable for me. Um, I had no trouble. I didn't even have the seat all the way back. Yeah, I'm like, are you telling me that I can now go buy a car? You know, I'm just five months out. I can go buy a car. I don't need this big behemoth truck anymore. So that was another major uh, non-scale victory for me, just knowing that I'm no longer bound to what I drive even. It's amazing. It's something people don't think about. You know, what that, that, what no, that is like. Absolutely and not. how incredible it can be. You know, when you realize that the pot... Not even that you're going to partake in all of the possibilities, but now that you, when you start to see that those possibilities are there. Right. It's, 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 it's so wonderful knowing that I don't have the limitations that I had before. Um, and even with my job, I'm a newspaper publisher. I sell ads. I, I write stories. I do everything under the sun with a newspaper. And, you know, our courthouse, for example, is about two blocks away from the office. 
before I hated going to the courthouse because I had to drive, I had to find parking, I had to deal with all that just to go do um, routine things there. And now it does not bother me to you know, throw on my backpack and walk to the courthouse and stand there and actually talk to people um, and do my job. So things like that a year ago, I would have never, I would have never imagined that I would be able to do right now. That's incredible to hear, man. And, and knowing just, you for so long, it's just transforming. It, yeah. And it's powerful to have watched been been kind of watching along for so, for so long, you know, like seeing you be able to see these things happen is, is just really, you know, powerful on my part. I, I can share that with you, man. Like it's, it's fantastic to see. So Charles, what, so like we've said, you know, you're, and a lot of times on this show, I either talk to people who were just getting started or are, you know, towards the end of their journeys, like you're five months in, what are the things you're, what are the things you're most looking forward to, you know, as, as a part of this journey, even over the next year? I think some of the more immediate things that I um, definitely look forward to um, is the day I can walk in a store and that's getting there. I'm, I've, I'm starting to see it, that I can walk in a store and buy clothes. Um, you know, as a big guy, I was very limited on where I could buy clothes from. Um, we're all familiar with King Size. Um, you catch the stuff on sale, get a, clear, a good clearance item here and there. You might be able to get something new, but uh, most of the stuff was expensive. Not that it was horrible quality, but it was just expensive, um, mediocre um, uh, clothing at best. And But now I'm to the point where you know, if I shop around enough, hey, I can buy, you know, a, a nice uh, Dockers button-up shirt from, from JCPenney or something, um, and some pants, you know. And so I'm not limited as much as I was on where I can get clothes, but the day I can walk into Walmart and buy a pair of jeans and a shirt that'll be a big moment. And, and that'll, that'll happen sometime in the spring. Likely, likely at the rate that I'm going, but you know, that, that's, that's a, that's something in, in the immediate future, uh, near future that I'm looking forward to, um, you know, getting, uh, trading my truck for a car. That is something I want to do. Um, I don't need the truck anymore. The guy that needed that is not that same person anymore. And um, I'm very happy I'll be the best trade I've ever made. Even though I love my truck, I really do. You know, $3, $3.50 a gallon gas. I don't love it in that regard. So. Well, well um, being out here in California, I could tell you I, I would kill for $3.50 a gallon. Oh, I know. Right now. <laughs> but that's a, whole, that's a whole other podcast topic. Sure. <laughs> that's a that's a whole different that's a whole different thread we could go down, man. Well, oh yeah. Th there's just a lot of you know. I'm excited to see what comes next for you, man. Like there's just a lot going on there. But I appreciate you giving us a look into what even these past five months have been like. But your your journey overall, like I I think there's some incredible things that have happened already for you and are are still to come. Yes. I look forward to sharing um, 
sharing more of my journey with everyone uh, um, through my Instagram page, uh, Low Carb Cat Daddy, and uh, which that name is, I know it's hilarious, but I am a cat guy. I'm, a, I'm um, so people follow me, they're going to see my cats. Um, but uh, also, I have a TikTok under the same name. Um, and it's a lot of the same content, but I look forward to sharing more of the content with you. As I, as I also, as I mentioned, I'm an introvert, so recording myself talking on video is a little out there for me. So um, I'll get better with it as time goes. But, um, you know, I, I just hope people follow along and, uh, and I'll uh, share more of my past experiences and what it was like to be, you know, in more detail, uh, what it was like... Uh, different things in my uh, different aspects of my life being uh, a 600 650 pound guy versus the transformation that I'm seeing now no I'm sure there's 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 so much there that we obviously don't have enough time to in 10 episodes probably to get into like I, I think sure. so it'll be well in one you know you're you're a news a newspaper guy so you know we're getting right. firsthand reporting. You know, Charles on, right. the, Charles on the scene. Um, straight from the source. Straight from the source. I like <laughs> it, man. Like that's, And I will be sure to put links to your social media in the notes for this episode so people can follow the Low Carb Cat Daddy and um, connect and ask questions and, you know, see what they, they see, what they see, see what you're willing to film and share and, and let you know that they're following along. And because I know, sure. you know, it's, it's a, it's a journey that will that certainly inspire other people. Absolutely, and um, I encourage anyone to reach out, ask me questions. My life—I believe in total transparency. That's um, with my job and my life. You know, I want to share this journey with people. That's why I've restarted my uh, low carb cat daddy account. That's why I've—that's why I'm doing this. I mm -hmm. want this to be out there for people, and um, I want them to ask questions. Oh, if they're curious, I. Don't worry about being rude. You know, I mean, sometimes the, your, the answer to your questions is going to be very blunt. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's that, that's that's how we convey truth. So, um, I encourage people to reach out um, if they if they want to see me talk about something, make make a video on a topic, something that maybe I've dealt with or dealing with. Um, I encourage them to do that to do that as well. I'm sure they will, man. I'm sure they will, and I, I appreciate you taking the time to share what you have with the audience uh, today. And uh, I just, again, like I said, thank you so much for, for being willing to come on and talk. Sure, absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity, Mike. Definitely. So, Charles, I end every episode with five questions I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for your run through them? Sure. Okay, so question number one. Living or dead, Charles, who is your favorite fat guy? John Candy. Solid. I like it. Question number two. <laughs> Charles, what is one lesson that being a fat guy has taught you? Never assume you know a person's story. Mm. I like it. Question number three. Charles, if there's someone out there listening who is now inspired to get their journey started, what is one concrete thing you think they can do today? Um, start tracking what you're doing, whether it's eating, your movement, um, to start tracking, learn to track things. That's some solid advice, man. 
Question number four, Charles, what is one thing about yourself that you love? One thing about myself, that's a hard one because mm-hmm. I've, I've struggled with self-love over the years. Um, one thing um, that I do love about myself is uh, the passion that I have for the things in my life and the, the new passions for life the, that I'm finding that I have, things that I've not always realized that I've had. Um, and I'm just excited to live, and mm-hmm. I love that. I'm finding that. That's awesome, man. And question number five, Charles, the last question for you today. Tell us what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? Goal I have for the next year um, is to eventually, at some point, an unknown date, because she will be listening, um, to pop the question Mm. to my girlfriend. I like it. <laughs> See, that'll be something for people to watch for, man. You know, not to, absolutely not to put any pressure on, but you know, <laughs> that's that's going to drive yes. some eyes your way. There we go, man. Well, Charles, just again, a, a big thank you so much. You know, again, like I've I've appreciated uh, getting to know you over the years, and I, I'm just excited that you're we're willing to come on today and allow other people to to get to know the person that you are. Absolutely, I, I thank you, my friend, for the opportunity. And everyone out there, like I said, I'm going to put links to, to Charles Social in the show notes. Make sure you do reach out to him. And if you want to connect with me, you know you can always find me at Gourmet Goes Keto on Instagram, Gourmet Goes Keto on Twitter. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com, and you can check out everything I'm doing at theketoroad.com. And then, my friends, after you do all that, go on out there, do something today to amaze yourselves because you're the most amazing people I know. Then come on back and catch us for the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum.